I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Welcome to the LCJ Q&A podcast. You can also read these interviews at animationscoop.com. A teen girl meets demon brothers in the new stop motion animated feature, Wendell and Wild. It premieres in select theaters October 21st and on Netflix October 28th. Joining me is director Henry Selleck. Henry, how are you? I'm great, Jackson. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Really enjoyed this movie and have been a a fan of stop motion animation my entire life and, and love what you do with this. So first of all, congratulations. I appreciate it. Thank you. What were you really able to do on this movie that you maybe wanted to do on some of your older films, but the technology just wasn't there at the time? Not so much developments in technology, more just story, taking chances on the look of characters, um, going into dangerous territory, uh, you know, playing around with some serious subjects, uh, but also mixing in uh, maybe more interesting types of humor by working with Key and Peele. So maybe it's not so much about technological breakthroughs as it was about um, story and tone breakthroughs. I, I like that you mentioned the, the dangerous territory because the atmosphere is really interesting. Every different location that we go to, the atmosphere feels unique and cool and different. What were your goals with inviting us into this world and the atmospheres that you bring? You know, people have expectations and you want to play with those. And then often you want to upend those expectations so that you would assume if there's demons and a demon lord you know, Buffalo Belzer, that those are going to be the bad guys. And so, you know, the, the atmosphere of the underworld, while it's there's some fun there because it, after all, is like a, a, a bad Disney world, it's also scary and, and a little depraved and, and so forth. But in the end, maybe those aren't the bad guys after all, that they're not the villains of this story, but you want to like make them feel like they are. Cat gets a second chance. Cat, who's our protagonist, Cat Elliot, um, she's had a rough life fighting back against bullies, got her in big, big trouble. And uh, she gets sent to this rich girl's school uh, that, you know, you have expectations about what's that going to be like. And so you play with those in the atmosphere. But then you find out the school is actually down on its luck. They can barely get enough students to keep it going. And you humanize these, the three girls that sort of take Kat under her wing. And she does not want to be taken under the wing. I love to play with what you'd expect from a place and, and a feeling of a place, but then always reveal that there's more going on. Or uh, it may feel like something you know, but there's always something you don't know. You, you build a world, set a tone, set an atmosphere, and then discover everything that you're expecting to be because of those um, that the, the tone you've set is, is not going to be there. Cause it's, it's much more fun to surprise people. They think they're in one groove and then you introduce something new. Yeah. And there are a lot of layers to the cat character and I, and I like her a lot. One of them is the punk rock music in association with her. Um, it's funny. It started out as just sort of a fashion thing, a look, uh, um, but then it became deeper. Uh, you know, Afropunk is is a sort of more modern movement. It pays homage to the first black uh, punk pioneers from like the 70s and 80s, um, I, of which I actually have a personal connection. I directed a, a band called Fishbones, 
uh, a music video way, way, way back in 1985. Um, but it started with this, the look, which is amazing. Uh, these young people come up with outrageous, beautiful costume and hair and body art. But then it became something deeper. It became, well, that will be her connection to her dad, who she lost, that her dad was a fan of the first wave black punk uh, and brown punk music. And she grew up listening to that. And this is her, um, you know, embracing the modern interpretation of that. So it's not so much that she's a big rebel or outsider. It's more like a, a loving tribute to her lost father. But it, it looks cool, too. To You know, it's a black punk is outsiders, outsiders, you know, just not mainstream. No, I, I like that element a lot. And and having Lyric Ross voice her. Now, my mother watched This Is Us every week for six years. I watched it when I could. She played yeah. Deja on that show. What do you like the most about uh, how you were able to work with Lyric on voicing this character of Kat? Listen to a lot of uh, candidates to uh, voice voice Kat. And it was only when when uh, listening to Lyric, you know, she, she recorded, they all recorded some lines from the film that like, Finally, this is Kat. There was uh, an authenticity to her. Um, she was, while she was uh, um, at starting This Is Us, she still in, lived in Chicago with her mom. She hadn't sort of been through the Hollywood finishing school of, of performing. It produces a lot of great results, but it was, it was um, not just that lyrics, voice quality, and, and, just her background gave her authenticity. She got to know the character better than I did. So that by our, I worked on this with Jordan Peele, of course, he's, he co-wrote the screenplay, but when we'd go in and I've alternate lines for like for Kat in some cases, cause I wasn't sure what she'd say. Um, Lyric would say, well, Kat wouldn't say this. She wouldn't say this. That's not Kat. She knew Kat. And sometimes I said, well, what, what do you think is uh, the best line? Or what would she say? And she always knew. Right from the start, she was a really good fit, and she helped shape the character enormously. That's really cool that she was able to know that character so well. And you mentioned Jordan Peele co-wrote the screenplay. Key and Peele reunite here as Wendell and Wilde. From, from what you were able to see these two guys do with their voice performances, and they've been such a great comedy team for a long time, how are they able to bring that sense of spontaneity and fun to these Wendell and Wilde characters that you've had in, inside your mind for, for quite a long time? I, I think they're my favorite comedy duo of, of all time. Uh, as, as far as the sketches they performed, the different characters, I mean, they could play anything. And there was so many beautiful surprises, fresh looks at situations on their show. Um, it was uh, almost terrifying going into the first session with them because they can do anything. Well, what's right for our film? Um, they hadn't been together in a while at the first session. And so it was sort of a, a playtime, just trying things out and me nudging here and there, maybe responding because they were they were trying to find what's right for the characters, and they know all all about the traditional types of comedy duos. Um, there's you know the the peas in a pod, where where one's just you know like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. It's a reflection of the other, or there's more the um, Abbott and Costello, you know, straight guy 
um, and and the uh, the schlub, uh, the, uh, the the humorous one. They just played and played, improvised. It was amazing how long they could take a bit. They could they could take a line, uh, a phrase, and reinterpret it fifty times, uh, like one up one upping the other. And we've got it all on tape. I mean, we we could have an incredible comedy album just the outtakes. But eventually, they kind of found what worked for these two, and it does. It kind of connects a little bit uh, to who they are in real life. Everyone assumes, you know, Keegan Michael Key. He's a, he's a couple of years older, and he seems maybe he's a little more stable he's like the big brother you know jordan jordan's uh, his little brother and and uh maybe maybe lives a more sloppy life i mean they actually lived together at first when they were saving money but in the end you learn no no it's it's jordan's the adult and keegan michael key is the forever kid he's the peter pan a little of that comes comes through in the in the characters voices that we all all fell in love with when we finally found it and we got locked into what was playing and it's there's variation in how they approach it they kind of as characters they put on voices and and adjustments but it was incredible it was it was such a dream come true to watch those guys play off of each other in that first session especially but it was every follow-up session we always recorded them together even if they couldn't be in the same room because that's that's just the way they work, and uh, nice. it's it's just incredible um, experiences and such fond memories. Very great, and I think people would want to hear that comedy album if it were to ever come yeah. out. I, I think they would. And and how was it going to Toronto to premiere this? And I know those guys were there, and you were there. That experience, you know, it's not often. Um, not every major film festival puts an animated film in there. It's it's kind of rare, but that's cool that animation was able to be showcased through your film at Toronto. Yeah, it's only the second time. Um, one of the films that I've worked on uh, was at a a film that isn't focused on just animation. I mean, I love animation film festivals and and so forth. But it was it was um, very exciting, you know, terrifying because it's the premiere, world premiere. But the press uh, treated us kindly. It was a um, wonderful experience. It was a reunion because I also hadn't seen a lot of those folks in a very, very long time. You know, Lyric's um, practically a grown-up now. She was 14 when we did most of the recording, and, uh, and now she's 18. So... I'd say it was it was beautiful experience. Mainly, mainly happy the the relief that oh, the world doesn't hate the film. We're okay, <laughs> and and then the and then sort of the reunion was very very sweet. Nice, yeah. I think the world is absolutely going to embrace this. Henry <laughs> Selig, Henry Selig is with me now on the LCJ Q and A podcast. Uh, Wendell and Wild. It's in select theaters October twenty one on Netflix October twenty eight. You have to watch this movie through the end credits because there are some nice surprises, some some behind the scenes surprises. And what I want to touch on without spoiling things are these gigantic hands that Belzer has. Wow, how big are we talking, Henry? Um, they're they're pretty huge. You could you could probably set a, a the old Volkswagen Beetle one in each hand. Wow, <laughs> they're enormous, but it's like a it's the same kind. Of- a trick going back to the first King Kong. You know, they couldn't build the whole King Kong 
big, but you know, you build a few sections to get the sense of scale. We build these enormous hands right? because there's a giant uh, Buffalo Belzer who rules the underworld. And we wanted some interactions uh, between him and uh, the demons, Wendell Wild, and uh, some of our humans. It's cool. You have to watch the whole movie to, to feel it all out and, and to see that character within the movie. Now, Henry, I have to ask you this question. Since Halloween is coming up, have, have two people ever come to your door on Halloween dressed as these two? They certainly have. And, uh, you know, it's, it goes back quite a few years. But when my grown sons were little and my wife would take them out to join their friends for trick-or-treating, I was the one at home giving out the candy. And uh, it started just a couple of years after Nightmare Before Christmas first came out. Wow. And kids started showing up dressed as characters. And every year there were more. And they, they, they didn't know me or that I had anything to do with that film. But it was kind of wonderful. And then it got to the point where um, if uh, they were there with their parents or something, I said, hey, you know, I've got, I've got something you might want to see. And then I'd take them inside and I'd show them. Oh, look at that. It's the sleigh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and uh, they would scream with delight. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. It's one of my favorite animated movies. I've seen it several times, went to the 3D re-releases a couple yeah. times. Nightmare Before Christmas is a classic and historic. And it's amazing that, you know, Coraline was just back in theaters through Fathom Events and, and people are going to re-watch Nightmare probably a few times over the next month. Does it hit you the fact that these movies you've made are going to be watched annually for decades and decades to come and already have for, for several decades that they're annual viewing. It's kind of amazing to me. Uh, it's the, it's the, the best treat of all that something you work on so hard, so long and care so much about has this other life beyond its initial release. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> That's wonderful. So before before we wrap up here, Henry, you know, what does one do after making a stop motion animated movie for so many years and devoting yourself to something like this, this incredible achievement? Do you take a break or do you do you look ahead to the next project already? Well, you know, of course, you got to promote the movie, which is what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm uh, talking to various uh, interviewers such as yourself and enjoying that part of of it. Um I'll take a break. I've got other stuff that I that I do. I uh, I play music, guitars, and the piano. Uh, I'll spend more time seeing my family. But there's a couple of things cooking. We'll have to see if the if the world responds well to Wonder Wild. There might be. I might take a, a film, The Shadow King, that was something I started years back, never got to finish. There's another Neil Gaiman, a beautiful book. I would love to adapt. So we'll just sort of put that all on the back burner, though, for a little while and just see, see how Wendell Wild does. And if, uh, if we do well, maybe I'll, I'll start to uh, work on another project. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on Wendell and Wild. I think it is going to be a big hit and a happy 29th anniversary to Nightmare. I hope, I hope next year for the 30th, there's some big, cool events all over the Disney parks and resorts and that you're a part of it because that would be spectacular. Yep, I uh, I hope so too. Anyway, thank you so much, Jackson. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you.
Thank you so much, Henry Selleck, here on the LCJ Q&A podcast for Wendell and Wild. It's in select theaters October 21st and streaming on Netflix just in time for Halloween on October 28th. I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Thanks for listening to the LCJ Q&A.